Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Ringer NFL show. Shiel Kapadia here joined by Ben Solak. We are talking MVPs today. Ben, when I last saw you, we were uh, we were having a little meal in Latrobe, Pennsylvania at Steelers training camp. I thought your etiquette... With the wait staff was great there. That's basically how I judge every person I, I come across. I didn't so you, know that was a you, thing. I'm glad I you, passed the test. You unknowingly passed the test. So good job by you. How are we doing today? I'm well. I'm now mentally calculating how I've treated every wait staff I've seen over the last <laughs> like seven days and hoping that I would have passed Yokopadia's character benchmark in the event that I uh, that he was there watching. I'm good. I was in Indy. Now I'm in Cincy. And the Rams are also in Cincy. Me and Sean McVay, two major celebrities that Seth Wickersham has profiled <laughs> here in uh, in lovely southeastern Ohio. Uh, and then, yeah, after Cincy, I'm done. This is officially a wrap on on training camps here for me this season. I know you're pretty much done. We are we're getting to the point in the jersey yeah. countdowns where we've left the defensive backs and we've gotten into like the quarterbacks and the receivers. It's how you know the door is knocking, baby. We're in the teens. That, that's right. I, I am ready for the season to start, and today's conversation is going to be a good jump into the season. So here's how we're going to do it. We, we've broken the MVPs, candidates, into three tiers, and, and this is basically, you know, the fan duel odds. This was the easiest way to do it. So the first tier, we have the favorites. The second tier, we have the tweeners. They're not quite favorites, but, you know, you're not going to be shocked if one of these guys wins MVP. And then we have the sleepers, which I'm excited to see what you came up with there. So we're just going to pick one guy who we like from each of these three categories and then try to figure out who is going to win the MVP this season. So let's start it with the favorites. So these are guys who have odds that are plus 1,000 or better. Again, this is just a good framework uh, to put into context who the favorites are. The five candidates from this group, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, and Aaron Rodgers. Ben, who do you who do you like? Who who is your pick from this group to win the MVP? I think everybody wants to pick Justin Herbert, right? Uh, and maybe that's that's a I'm a I'm ringer pilled thing. I'm ringer versed, but I think everybody wants to pick Justin <laughs> Herbert. I when it comes to the top group, you're not going to find an argument that like works for one that doesn't work for another. Besides the like the shiny new thing is fun. 
And Herbert is the one in the group who has not yet won the award, which makes it just like, especially in a game of like offseason predictions, all the more tempting to pick him. We typically see from MVP winners, uh, extremely high rankings in EPA, total EPA. Uh, we see division winners. We typically see guys who also achieve a first-round buy. That number is a little bit skewed now because obviously there's one fewer first-round buy than there was. But we're typically talking about top-two seed team finish. And we're seeing a guy with high touchdown totals. Uh, all of these quarterbacks can fit that argument. If you're looking for the really strong Herbert case, it's if they win the division, it'll be very hard to give someone else MVP because it means that Herbert beat Mahomes. Not like actually... But that's yeah. how MVP voters will think about it, right? In terms of if they're winning the division, which they must do in order to get one of these top seeds, then he out-dueled Mahomes. He outclassed Mahomes and Russell Wilson, ex-MVP, yada, 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 kind of whatever. And, and as we know, this is a narrative award. It's a counting award. Uh, Herbert's also got a really good case for passing touchdowns because they let him throw it a lot uh, in the red zone and in the low red zone. It's also how they built their team, right? Look at the Chargers receiving core. They're not fast, but they are big. Uh, and they can separate and they can we can test the ball. So they are built to throw the ball into the end zone. Uh, the only thing you're worried about is how much he gets to throw the football relative to the other guys. Because this Chargers team does look for some balance in terms of, of, of the way they, they try to distribute the football. Herbert tends to throw it a little bit shorter than some of these other guys. So the counting numbers might not get up there. But to me, like if I'm like splitting hairs between the top guys, I think the newness and excitement of Herbert relative to like, oh, let's give it to Mahomes again. That matters when it comes to discussing this award. And so like Herbert, to me, gets gets the edge in the top contenders group. Yeah, I, I think you hit it with the profile there. And if you look at it, the last nine, and I only did nine because if we go 10, Adrian Peterson gets in there and that feels like a whole different world. Yeah, I, 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 even... I forgot to even put that in <laughs> at the top. The other qualifier is that a quarterback wins the award, yes. period. If you bet on yeah. a non-quarterback to win MVP, I'm out. I mean, I can't even imagine the outrage if a running back won the MVP in the year uh, 2022, the discussions and the conversations that would be going on. So yeah, never I think mind. It's be I'm back in. <laughs> running back should win MVP. Give me something to do. Jonathan Taylor. There you go. So on average, these quarterbacks, the last nine MVPs, their teams have won 12.9 games. So it goes to what you're saying where it doesn't necessarily have to be the number one seed, but man, you have to be absolutely team success matters. You have to be one of the best teams uh, in the NFL. The only MVP in the last nine years whose team won fewer than 12 games was Matt Ryan in 2016, and they won 11 games and they were the two seeds. So, uh, that is a good framework to look at this in. Like, which of these teams can win 12 games? And honestly, all the guys we've mentioned, uh, they probably fit that profile. I mean, Josh Allen, the Bills, I think have the highest over-under win total. I have them winning 12 or 13 games. He's capable of just putting up silly numbers, both just passing and rushing. So I, I don't, you know, I think he's the favorite for a reason. I went with Herbert to it. I know people get sick of the Chargers love year in and year out from the national media, but it, like you're seeing a little bit of, can he just win a playoff game before we crown him? I just think that's going to look so silly. That That's going to look terrible uh, by the time his yeah. career is over. You know, Herb, they had a top five offense last year. He was a top five quarterback. He threw for over 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. I, I looked this up. The players who've hit those marks in a single season, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, 
Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, and Matthew Stafford. So you have like five, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers and then Matthew Stafford in that group. Herbert is 24 years old. I mean, they didn't have team success last year because their defense sucked and their special team sucked. It had nothing yeah. to do like, with Like figuring Justin out Herbert. why the Chargers didn't win games is not yes. difficult. You watch it's Herbert not. and then you watch the other players. You're like, aha, I get it now. Yes, absolutely. And so if the defense is even going to be mediocre this year, if the special teams is not going to be a complete train wreck, I mean, these feel like pretty low bars uh, to clear here with the Chargers. Uh, I've got the Chargers winning the AFC West. I think they're an 11 or 12 win team. And so I picked Herbert too. Maybe we both did get, what would you call it? Ringer pilled? Yeah, maybe we both did get yeah, yeah. Uh, ringer pilled here and went with the shiny new toy in Justin Herbert. But uh, I, I like him in that category. I think Allen but you're was right, the you other can't- guy. Tell me that doesn't matter in terms of when the hairs do get split. And I can prove this to you because last season, Brady should have won MVP over Rodgers. However, nobody wants to give the MVP award to Tom Brady. We just don't want to do it. Now it's boring and we're over it. Even like Rodgers, who's also been around, who won MVP the year previous, is still like has enough of like shiny newness that he gets the award. Or uh, this was, this was, excuse me, two years ago for, for him. Obviously, last year we had, what was it, Stafford last year? I don't remember. But when, okay. Rogers, yeah, Ro- yeah, Rogers, yeah, Rogers won back to back. Yep. Rogers won back to back. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I remember now what the confusion was because Stafford was really high in total EPA and we thought he was going to win the award, but then he didn't. But the, the, the newness of players, right? We had that run with, with like Lamar and with Mahomes where everybody was like, second year quarterbacks are just going to win it forever. When somebody is new onto the scene, that matters. This is also me setting up my argument for the long shot later down this podcast. We'll get to that when we get to that. Okay, there. Well, let's get to the tweener. So these are guys, their odds are between, you know, uh, greater than plus 1,000 and uh, two th- plus 2,000 or lower. So here, here are the names in this category. Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, and Lamar Jackson. Who, who do you like from this group? Lamar. Uh, if we okay. are going, yeah, if we... Everybody here is fun. Everybody here is a good bet. I think makes sense. Uh, the resurgence of Lamar gives me some pause because while it's always fun to like try to buy low on a guy for MVP, you also have to acknowledge that means you're technically buying him for comeback player of the year, which is not the award, and you will not win the bet in the event that he wins comeback player of the year. But you have to watch out for that with Lamar. He's coming off of injury. And so if he's one of two guys, if it's him and Herbert, they can very easily give the award to Herbert and then Lamar just gets comeback player of the year and you kind of just like feel better about that. Uh, and so that introduces some danger. However, if we are looking at, again, potential division winners in a 12-win team, the, the Ravens are going to improve drastically on defense because of injury luck. They, I think, have improved along the, the offensive line with the addition of Tyler Linderbaum and the presumed return of Ronnie Stale, uh, Stanley. I think they're going to change what they do offensively a little bit as well. I think you saw with Marquise Brown being traded away with the the kind of emphasis now in training camp on under center and some of this play action stuff that they're going to be a passing team more between the numbers instead of deep vertical down the field. And if you go back and look at what Lamar throws really well, it's that intermediate hole. It's that kind of that 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 between the numbers, 10 to 20 yards. He was great at it in college. He's been good at it in the pros. I think they're going to redistribute their targets to be there. I think you're going to get a really good passing season from Lamar accordingly. You get J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards back in the backfield. You should be able to rely on the running game a little more. This should all look more like it did during Lamar's first MVP season. And then, in the event that they are winning the division, 
They're doing it over Joe Burrow. They're doing it over the Bengals, which is a very big deal because the Bengals were the AFC uh, contender. They were the AFC representative last year in the Super Bowl. Like if Lamar wins the division with 12 wins and Dak wins the division with 12 wins, it feels like winning the AFC North matters a little bit more in that regard, especially because the AFC is just generally going to be so competitive. So in that second tier, like Kyler would be really fun. I think it'd be awesome to make a Kyler MVP case after everything yeah. that, like, the, that this past season has been. But I think Lamar is probably the, the smartest guy to take from that group. I need more from you on why this offense is going, you know, like 2019 was a while ago. And I look at the last two years, their offense has gotten worse each of the last two years. I look at their weapons. I'm not in love with them. The offensive line, uh, I think the best case scenario is that it's like, you know, slightly above average. I don't think it's like an elite group. And so, you know, the changes you mentioned that they could have schematically, the coaching staff is the same. Greg Roman is still the play caller. Like I looked at that and said, I just don't think the offense is going to be like a top five offense and the supporting cast isn't great. And I don't see the path to them getting back to that 2019 level or really anywhere close. I mean, I have them outside the top 10 when I'm ranking the offenses. So give me more on why you think like this year, those scheme changes, the under center right. uh, play action are coming and what they can do uh, to get him in that conversation. So to me, it's it's all pendulum swings, right? Like Lamar offense arrived and everybody was like, we have no idea what to, like the defense has just had their pants down for like weeks, right? There was yeah. no idea how to react to this. You and I might use the analogy of the 2017 Eagles with the RPO, right? Like they they started running the RPO in the season during 2017. And as they went week after week, they're like, oh, defenses really don't know what to do with this. It just became more and more and more of the offense, right? So now your pendulum is swinging. So when, when Lamar arrives and it's like, okay, nobody taught these guys how to fit like GT counter, right? You've got two pullers. Uh, from a, it's a shotgun run. It's a college run. Nobody knows how to fit this, John. I just keep doing it until they figure it out. Like, that was great. And then the pendulum swings and defenses start to get an answer. Like, I think you look back on what a lot of the Bengals' defensive performances have been, especially with Lou Anarumu there against the Ravens. And you start to see, you know, there is no blueprint. Remember last year when, like, the Lions held the, the Ravens, like, 19 points? Everybody was like, people are yeah. calling Aaron Glenn, asking what the blueprint is. And then, like, Lamar <laughs> scored 30 in the next three weeks. There's no blueprint because he's ludicrously talented. But you're starting to see defenses get, like, coached specifically over the course of the summer, over the course of multiple weeks. Like, hey, when we get Lamar at a mesh point, like, putting the ball in the belly of the running back and reading out an end, this is how we're going to behave. It's starting to become indoctrinated. It's starting to become normalized. It's starting to become a part of, part of the habit, especially for teams in the AFC North. So I think you're, you start to see the pendulum swing back towards defenses. They start to figure out, okay, this is not actually a give. Lamar's always keeping it. We can play it like this. And they start to, to cheese around the edges. I think this season is the season you start to see the pendulum swing back to the Ravens. Firstly, because they've had a couple of seasons now to look at it. You get time is just going to help you figure out what works for us and what doesn't. Secondly, they've made like uh, personnel changes that belie, not belie, but indicate schematic changes. All they did every single offseason was talk about we have to throw the ball deep down the field. We have to be deep passing team. Lamar needs to better, be a better deep passer. And then they traded away Marquise Brown this past offseason, which is not what you would do if you were still prioritizing that. Marquise yeah. Brown is a largely overrated deep catcher because he cannot track or catch a football. But like this, still, that's a body you need in the room. You need the speed. They grabbed Tyler Linderbaum. Great pick in terms of like, you know, value. Just kind of like fell into their lap outside the 20s. He does not make sense to the way they used to run the football. Right, they need they had they had uh, Patrick McCarry, ex Cal left tackle playing center, three hundred twenty pounds when they when they were running this 
this Oklahoma style offense, right? Think about the Oklahoma offenses with Jalen Hurts and with Kyler Murray and how they ran the football. They got a little bit smaller. They traded away Orlando Brown. They they are, I think, telling you with their offensive personnel moves that a change is coming. And I'll put it to you this way. I think if Greg Roman came to John Harbaugh, who fired Don Martindale last year, let's let him walk because schematically they needed to do different things. I think if Greg Roman had walked up to John Harbaugh and said, yeah, I'm going to run the same stuff next year, I don't think Greg Roman would still have the job. So mm-hmm. to me, something has changed because Greg Roman is still there. And if we yeah. were just doing the Greg Roman stuff, Greg Roman would not be there. So I, it's tea leaf reading. But I, I think the Ravens are telling us, like, you know, I, I tweeted something about under center play action and a couple of Ravens fans, like, they've run it a lot in the preseason. I think we're, the tea leaves are there that the Ravens are going to change what they do offensively and they're changing what they do defensively a little bit with Martindale there, or with Martindale gone, excuse me, and McDonald there. And I generally trust that coaching staff, staff and I trust the talent of Lamar. So that it's, it's prognostication, okay. but that's what the podcast episode is. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, good. I, I like it. You, you made a good argument. I mean, if that happens, if they're like a top 10 offense, if Lamar is even in the discussion for MVP, I mean, that's a Super Bowl contender because I think their defense is going to be really good. They're going to have the best special teams in the NFL. And I think Harbaugh in terms of game management is probably the best coach uh, in the NFL. So they've got a lot of those edges. I just need to believe it, uh, you know, see it to believe it with their offense. All right. 
I'm going with, and I guess this is sort of on brand. I know we talked a little bit about this in our last episode. I'm I'm planting my flag on the Bengals are going to stave off regression this year, and Joe Burrow's going to be a monster. We're going to talk uh, you know about what? this a lot the during nerd, the season, brother. You know what? The the I, I understand uh, all the arguments against it. I I get. All of those, I feel like there are enough factors swinging the other way. I mean, this guy had a bottom five offensive line last year and threw for over 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns. I mean, he, he, you know, a 5,000 yard, 40 touchdown season, that's absolutely in play with somebody like Joe Burrow. It's just going to take two very simple things. One, Zach Taylor, do not be running that football on second and long, my friend. Let's just, let's put the ball in this player's hands. You're going to pay him a lot of money. He's the franchise. You can throw the football more. You don't have to be as balanced, which they were striving for through the first, what, 12, 13, 14 weeks of last season. And number two, it's the offensive line. I know they didn't sign any all pros. I know it's not a top five offensive line. But again, you go from like 30th to like 21st with the offensive line. I mean, this is a player who took 51 sacks last year. Let's just cut that number down uh, at least a little bit. Uh, He just fits my aesthetic for quarterback in terms of he... You know, option number one, push the ball downfield at at all costs. Yes, I like that. That's how I like to watch football. Uh, Always give your receivers a chance. Trust them. I don't care if they're covered. You can make a great throw. They can make a great catch. He does that. And the third thing, and this is probably the biggest thing, I feel like he's going to be able to solve problems. You know, like like single high defenses, he's going to chuck it outside. Uh, They're going to be a problem on the outside. Now, I hear this, and he mentioned this earlier this offseason. Hey, teams are going to play more too high against us. They're not going to want to give up those explosive plays. I mean, Burrow's like the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. He is built to beat that type of defense. Now, he's got to be a little bit more uh, patient, and mentally that could be a little bit of a struggle like it was with Patrick Mahomes at times last year. But I think he's easily going to be able to figure that out. And so uh, I'm in on Burrow. I mean, he he was coming off a knee injury last year. You factor all these things in, O-line, play calling, uh, healthier this year. He's still got the weapons, and I just feel like, Regardless of whether you think the Bengals are going to win the AFC North or not, uh, I feel like he's built to put up monster numbers. And if they do win the AFC North uh, and win like 11 games or so, then I think he's he's firmly in the discussion and probably belongs, in my opinion, you know, with, with that first group of guys we mentioned. <laughs> what if, but here's, okay, like, that's all fine. It's great, whatever. Congratulations. <laughs> He, he has to be better than last year to win the MVP award. He can't be as yeah. good as last year to win the MVP award he didn't yeah. win the MVP award last year. So if yeah. you do the same thing you did the year you didn't win the MVP award, you don't win the MVP award. So 70% completion percentage with that huge depth of target that you're talking about. Yeah. 34 touchdowns. To 14. But like, okay. <laughs> what, 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 were the, what were the issues for Burrow last year? Because statistically, it's amazing. There's only one big problem on, on his counting stat sheet, which is what MVP voters care about. It's a sacks. So Burrow's going to win the award because he took like 15 less sacks. That's basically the argument. Because he has to be better than he was last year in order to win the award. That is a like conditional on MVP science. The, 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 the pseudoscience of MVP voting. I don't see how he completes like 75% of his passes for like 10 yards an attempt. This is a season that's never existed in history. Well, he, he doesn't necessarily have to throw for more yards. I mean, he could throw for 4,600 yards. That would be in the MVP conversation. Maybe he does take fewer sacks and that gets a, a little bit of a bump. It could come down to, you know, I know his touchdown rate was pretty high. I don't remember if it's if it's unsustainable or not. 6.5%. Like, How do you okay. feel about a touchdown? All right. All right. So he, okay. listen, he, 
A he, touchdown he can, on one of every 16 throws. Okay. He, he can throw for 40 touchdowns this year, uh, Joe Burrow. That Because he's going to have more attempts. That's the big thing that, you know, he's going to have more attempts. So you keep a lot of the, even if the rate stuff comes down a little bit, I think he's gonna, they're going to throw the football more than they threw last year. Now, I don't have in front of me how many attempts he had last year. So if you tell me he like led the league in attempts, then I'm probably out of uh, reasons. Uh, I don't think that he did because they were uh, they were so balanced. But uh, to me, it's just the ball, the football is going to be in his hands more this year. I still think, you know, if he completed 70% of his passes again this year, that would not shock me at all, especially if they've got to throw the football shorter and he can't push the ball downfield as much. And then listen, whoever wins the MVP, you're getting lucky with uh, with, with the touchdown rate. And so um, I'm not telling you that it's going to be... Um, you know, much better than last year. But could he throw for four, five, five thousand and forty touchdowns? Yeah, he could do that this year. Why not? All right. You're looking something up. I'm scared. I am. So Joe okay. Burrow was fifteenth right. in the league last year in in total Look at passing that. attempts. He should be top five. He should be top so, five in that. Come on. Fifteenth very famously above average <laughs> in a thirty two team league. Um all right. I want to find what line would you set right now for Joe Burrow's passing attempts this upcoming season? Total passing attempts. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. You you have to like give me the bar. I don't even know what like the average is. Can can he throw like who led the league last year? It was probably what around like six hundred or something? Six twenty five? No, is that Brady too many? led it. 400? Brady led was no. Brady led was okay. Firstly, Burrow had five twenty. I told you he was fifteenth. So four hundred <laughs> okay. leading the league is just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, six twenty five. Uh, well, you were giving me a weird look, so you had me second no, guessing. The myself. weird look is because Brady okay. led the league with seven nineteen. Oh, seven nineteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh because right Brady Brady's season last year like Brady was 44 and he led the league in like passing attempts passing completions passing touchdowns every yeah. counting stat that we have Brady was like yeah. yes I'm a middle aged man I do this more than everybody else but yeah. like 719 Herbert 672 Mahomes 658 Josh Allen 646 so that's kind of like the you know the the, the range you're looking for okay yeah Joe 650 Burrow. attempts get me for Joe Burrow okay 650 that's the line you're setting yeah yeah all right what is your what's your Wawa hoagie order uh, well, I, as you, as you know, from our meal together, I am a vegetarian. So I do, they have a nice, uh, cheese and veggie hoagie that I do with, uh, you know, the fix-ins, little salt, pepper, uh, oregano on that at the end. I'm more of a shorty man. As you get old, like me, you know, you can't Shame. go with the classic. It's, uh, it, it's kind of too much, uh, on the body. I'll need like an afternoon nap. So, uh, yeah. This is great, so, so I, was, I was willing to bet <laughs> your order. I was willing to bet I'll buy you a sandwich if he gets yeah. over 650. I didn't realize uh, at the time that I forgot this is going to be a no meat shorties. This is an incredibly easy bet for me. Yeah, That's the cheapest sandwich for you. you can get at Wawa. Yeah. Yes. It's a good deal. All right. Sandwich bet on the line. I'm saying Burrow comes in under 650 attempts. I would be, right. I would be. Stunned. All right. So that's a referendum on Zach Taylor more than, more than anything, right? Yeah. We're yeah. Okay. MVP. We're not just looking at the quarterbacks. I, okay. I like that guy's vibes. You look at the yeah. environment. All right. Uh, okay. Has Leo um, Collins practiced yet? Sorry. Whatever. Now, now, listen, I am not afraid to crush Zach Taylor in situations where I feel like he's doing Joe Burrow wrong. So if it's like Same. week six and it's looking like you're going to win this bet, uh, I'm going to be all over him. But yeah, I'll take that and, uh, and I'll get and I'll uh, I'll get you the, the hoagie if I lose. All right. We got we already got a hoagie bet on the board. All right. Good discussion. Let's get to the sleepers. I, I'm, you know, and I like Lamar. It's not, I think the Ravens are going to be good, but come on, let's let's settle down on the Joe Burrow regression nerds. Calm down. He's going to have a good year. All right. The sleepers. This is fun. This is a fun category. These are guys whose odds are plus 2,500 or worse. And so you can pick anyone on this list. I'll just run through, you know, uh, some of the names on here. Derek Carr, Trey Lance, Jalen Hurts, Matt Ryan. 
Tua, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, those are just some of the ones that I wrote down. Ben, who, who do you like from this, this group? This is a fun one. Right. To me, it came down uh, to two guys. So I'm curious to see who you came up with. Great group. And it's worth emphasizing, like you said, these guys are all 25 to 1. Well, uh, last season, Rogers preseason coming in was the second favorite to win the award. He was 10 to 1. Before that, five of the last of the previous six winners had been 25 to 1 or longer, including Rogers coming into his 2020 season. Lamar was like 40 to 1. Mahomes was like 35 to 1. These guys were second year quarterbacks, right? They were surprises. Uh, and so not unreasonable. It is unreasonable. Don't waste your money. But not unreasonable to take some flyers on these guys, right? Just for fun, because it's a fun thing to do. I've talked about high passing volume. I've talked about division winners, right? Another thing is uh, a high touchdown volume as well. We typically see uh, the touchdown leaders just in terms of counting stats are guys who, who are in the contention for, if not winning the MVP award. I've talked about EPA. I would like an efficient quarterback who throws the ball a lot on a team that ends up winning their division. So, Trevor Lawrence is 75-1 to to win the MVP. Wow, yes. (laughs) When it comes to divisions that are legit open, the AFC South is, I think, one of the first that comes to mind. It's like, it's the the AFC South, and then it's the NFC South. The the NFC South has Brady, excuse me. Uh, The... What's, what's the NFC? NFC East. I literally forgot what division the Eagles were in for like 10 <laughs> seconds. When it comes to divisions that are open, you have the AFC South and you have the NFC East. I think the NFC East is a little bit more of like a two-horse race, right? You're choosing between Hurts and choosing between Dak. I think Hurts is also a fun bet, reasonable bet. And then I think there's an instinct to go to the AFC South and say, okay, you have the Titans who won this division each last couple of years and you have the Colts who have always been a good team. They've always been around and now they have Matt Ryan. I think that framework grossly underestimates just how deleterious Urban Meyer was to this football team last year. Yeah. They were, like, I, I, don't, I don't think I can emphasize en- enough how much of a wash last year is in terms of, like, people like, oh, Lawrence didn't look good his rookie year. I could not care less because I cannot conceive of an environment in which anybody would have looked worse than that environment. An environment that would have been that detrimental to like a rookie quarterback and just the general professionalism of a guy in his first year in the league. And Lawrence was incredible in terms of like handling it, but the team itself was dreadful. That's number one. The other thing that I think pulls people away from the Jaguars is the fact that they did overpay for many of the players that they now have. Christian Kirk probably got too big of a contract or bigger than a contract he was going to get elsewhere. Same thing with Zay Jones comes from the, the Raiders. You know, we have the uh, the franchise tag on Cam Robinson. Don't think a lot of teams are going to hop around franchising tagging Cam Robinson. Uh, Foley Fotokasi, big contract. Foley Sade Aluakon, big contract. So on and so forth. While the spending maybe isn't good, objectively, the players are better. And that's what matters when come week one. Fully Fodakasi, you know, the yeah. voice out of Luicon making, you know, $50 million over five years. It doesn't matter once he's tackling people, right? If, if he's making plays, he's making plays, period. And he is clearly an improvement upon what they had. And they did that on all three levels of the defense. And they did that in pretty much every area of the offense. They also introduced a guy who you and I know is very important, which is Doug Peterson. Peterson is a wonderful coach when it comes to quarterback development. He is a pass-happy coach who makes things easy on his quarterback. He uses his quarterback in the red zone. I don't think the Jaguars are going to win the division. 
But I do think that Lawrence at 75 to 1 implies they have like no shot. And that is inaccurate. I know that because they split with the Colts last year. They, all they got to do is go like three and three and four and two in this division and then beat the Jets, beat the Giants, beat the Lions. All of a sudden, you're at 500. And now it's a matter of, are you stealing a couple from the good teams? Which, once again, we know they did last year because they beat the Bills. This team has actual talent. You put this roster up against the Titans roster, I think this roster is better. And they're not being priced as such. Second-year quarterback run is kind of done. Like, the whole Mahomes-Lamar thing, they got everything excited. But in terms of shiny newness, the NFL's wanted to crown Lawrence since his freshman year at Clemson. And if the Jags are... 10-7 Ten and seven winning the division. It's not great, but they have the window to crown Lawrence there. I think they'll take it. So in terms of of like MVP bets that I have entering the season, right now my biggest position is on Trevor Lawrence, quarterback. Wow, awesome. and I know that's a little bit sick, but basically it's <laughs> in like you should bet Jaguars over six and a half wins. I think that's going to happen. You should bet Jaguars to win the division at like plus five fifty. I think it's going to happen. But these things imply. That seven, 75 to 1 is a horrible price. And so, might as well take it. I like it. Yeah, I was surprised he was so far down the list because of the reasons yep. you mentioned. Now, it's hard to see like a ceiling for them that is really high. But like you mentioned, they, yeah, they could win that division. I think that, you know, worst division probably right. uh, in, in the NFL. It's, we all, it's we almost always the- have every season a first to worst or worst to yeah. first division team, which is important to remember, right? Somebody yeah. somewhere is going to win the division. We don't expect them to. The Ravens like would qualify this year, but the Jaguars also are one of those eight teams. Yeah, Peterson replacing a train wreck. I think your point about the offseason was great. As I was analyzing every move, I'm going, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. What are you doing? But you know what? If you're Doug Peterson, you go to training camp, hey, my roster looks a lot better than it did uh, in January. I don't care care what it's going to mean for us, you know, two, three years down the road. And so I feel like they can definitely achieve that like eight win, you know, uh, eight win category. And if, you know, if you get some injury luck, if you get some uh, one score games that go your way, then that can all Mm -hmm. of a sudden become 10 wins. So I like that one. The last two guys I wanted to talk about here. uh, These were the two I was debating between one of them you mentioned, and we'll probably do more on Jalen Hurts in a future episode. Uh, So we can kind of take Hurts. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can table that, but great offensive line, excellent weapons with A.J. Brown, second easiest schedule in the NFL. If they win the NFC East and he runs for like 900 yards and his you know passing numbers are uh, passable, then maybe he gets in the conversation. Here's the guy who I have and really the team that I'm having the hardest time coming up with an opinion that I believe in uh, going into the season. And so I need your help. And that's Don't Trey Lance. Too, uh... Oh, Tra- no, no, no. I have an opinion. I have an opinion yeah. on Tua, which Good. I've shared in the Dolphins, which I've shared previously. Trey Lance and the Niners, I can't figure out. I think they're such a high variance team. I'm looking at this NFC and I'm going, it's screaming for a sleeper. It's screaming for a sleeper to just get to mm-hmm. the get to the Super Bowl. And I'm trying to figure out what team that is. Uh, I'm looking at their offense under Shanahan. And there's this, I think, idea that it was good regardless. It wasn't good regardless. It was good when Jimmy G, it worked when Jimmy G was the quarterback. It didn't work when he wasn't the quarterback. I mean, they had three years with Shanahan where they were below average in terms of offensive DVOA. And that's because their quarterback stunk. So there is kind of a lower floor, I think, than people realize. What do you think of Trey? You know, I wanted to go into the summer and read reports out of San Francisco that like, oh my gosh, Trey Lance is just carving up this 49ers defense. And man, he probably should have been playing last year. He's made this huge leap. And I and you can't, haven't really seen that. It's sort of been like, okay, he had a good day. He had a bad day. It's been up and down. I think Shanahan's been a little, uh, you know, back and forth with kind of Lance's progress. And so I don't know what to expect for him and, and this team. I think they have a high ceiling. Where are you right now with your Trey Lance expectations? Yeah. It's such a good foil to talking about the Doug effect on Lawrence 
Because what we have seen from Shanahan is that when young players come into the building, their development is very herky-jerky. It can be all over the place, right? It can be like incredible peak games and then in the doghouse three weeks later. And Niners fans hate when I talk about this. They think it's unfair to Shanahan. But it's just what happens with when young players come into San Francisco. I don't know what you want from me. So I think Lance is going to have an extremely up-and-down season. I think it's going to be so visual, visually evident why they drafted him, what he does to the offense, and how it's going to help. I think it's also going to be clear that the one-year starter at the FCS level who's thrown like one pass in the last 954 days, whatever the heck the stat is, like he started one game in the last like legit like two and a half years. Yeah. I think it's going to be clear why that guy is not yet ready to lead the contending team. And that's the thing that really gives me pause with Lance. Like, I think like there are some Lance overs that make sense. I think Lance give a better season than people expect. But I do think it's hard for him to win MVP because I think it's hard for the Niners to have a better season than they had last year, right? It goes back to my, like, Joe Burrow, you have to get better sort of a thing, right? Like, the Niners were in the NFC Championship game. They obviously didn't win the division, but they were in the NFC Championship game. This team was really, really good at the end of the year. And so if, like, the Niners make the playoffs again, right? Because I don't think they would be, like, maybe, maybe they will be, like, a top two seed coming out. That'd be surprising, but, like, even then, I don't know if if it's going to be so obviously like oh it's because of Trey Lance I think we're going to watch him be like yeah it's because the defense which was amazing last year because of the running game because of Debo all of which were amazing last year there's not a lot of room for Lance to like earn a piece of the pie unless he's totally lights out which would be sick I just don't see it happening it's a good point because with Garoppolo they had what like a top five top eight offense just by the efficiency stats and no one ever talked about Garoppolo being the the reason for that it was Shanahan and so the offense would have to take like this it would literally have to be be like two or three top offense it would have to be Lamar walking into the Baltimore offense where it's like oh yes this entire offense has changed and this is the greatest player since sliced bread he is the MVP like it has to be that plain as a nose on your face which I think is really tough to ask it's a good point. Thank you for talking me through that. All right. This was good. We, we agreed on some. We disagreed on some. That was fun. We will be back with the Ringer NFL show tomorrow. Thanks to producer Stefan Anderson, additional production supervision from Arjuna Ramgopal and Connor Nevins. Ben, enjoy Cincinnati. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th. 
and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.